It's been two weeks, so uh, quite a bit a lot uh, to catch up on. Quite a, quite a bit a lot indeed, yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's a rainy night, so I'm, I'm, I'm at ease, but I'm also out of sorts because mm-hmm. uh, I'm very soggy. Um, <laughs> well, let's, let's come back to that. <laughs> Dude, I, like, I, I very much enjoy the rain, but I, I am, uh, it's, it's a very windy rain today. So I, I, yeah, I am very, I'm soggy. I, I enjoy the rain when I don't need to be out in it. Yeah, that makes sense. I enjoy both, but yeah, this this was this was a bad day to choose to do to do Aaron evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, but anyway, uh, so let's jump into the most uh, pressing issue of the of this year. Sure. Um, I sent you a link. So, Apple's burrito emoji has cilantro in it. Very very visible cilantro. Hmm. And this is problematic. Very. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page with this, right? Yeah, I'm not a um I'm not one of those people that gets the um soapy taste and I'm not someone who absolutely hates cilantro, but when I can avoid it, I can. Yeah. Yeah, like cilantro it it's fine in moderation. Like normally if I if I do get something where it's able to be picked off, I will pick off 80% of it. Um but yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And Apple, with with their recent, ever since I think I don't know if it was iOS nine or ten, they they got super like photorealistic with their emoji style. Like this burrito is a super Bay Area centric foil wrapped like mission style burrito. And as you point out, the cilantro is problematic for a couple of reasons. One is just because it's cilantro, but two, it it almost looks like the emoji was drawn and then someone came and quickly drew the cilantro on top of it. Like the cilantro doesn't really. Cause cilantro, like in this sense is not a garnish. Like, like, cause it, cause one, well, actually this makes no sense for three reasons. So one, did somebody just slice this off? Cause that's not how burritos are. Like they're, <laughs> they're folded on the end. So if you had just opened up the burrito, the <laughs> visible, the visible portion would be, uh, like the butt of a tortilla. Someone, someone bit the um, the end of it very, very carefully. So, so you mean Johnny Ive ate part of this burrito, and, <laughs> right. and, and he ate it in the most uh, elegant and 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 photo uh, like most visually pleasing way humanly possible? Unless the insinuation here is that this burrito has been cut in half, in which case it would be like the world's biggest burrito. Is that called like a vivisection? Like, is is that what happened? Like, I don't this. This makes no sense. And also, if that happened, then the the cilantro would not be pointing out in this like uh, predatory way that it is right now, because <laughs> it looks like it's 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 there to I don't know like attack somebody. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so it's gross. But I bring this up because, and you were away for like a week or so, but I think you may have luckily missed uh, the whole Android burger emoji controversy. <laughs> or did this or did this cross the border to Mexico for you? <laughs> no, I um I, I somehow avoided that. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I am. Yeah. I I, mean, I think I I think I saw I think I saw that you posted something in the thing, but Oh, okay. So in this case and on the emoji I didn't I didn't on, on the emojipedia page that I have you linked to, just do a search for hamburger and let me know when you're there. Okay, well I gotta I gotta scroll I gotta scroll way up in the thing here. Why? So this is you. You have a um, you have a um Twitter post which I can also put in the notes from Thomas Backdahl. 
Am oh no 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 don't, no no don't don't look at that or i don't i don't know what that is that's that was a long um, time ago that is i think we need to have a discussion about how google's burger oh, emoji okay. is placing the cheese underneath the burger while apple puts it on top everybody does yeah is that okay. is that is that the controversy yes so let me let me, let me link to the thing because because the thing about emojipedia which is one of the world's best uh, highly specific niche websites <laughs> is that it does it does the thankless and tireless work of compiling every because you know how um microsoft for windows 10 and windows phone which is now a defunct product and samsung like literally everybody will make their own character set for emoji because they're not always going to use like apples i don't know if it's a licensing thing or a pride thing but like you'll see that on the hamburger page there's like 11 different variations of of the emoji character or whatever so but google chooses to put the 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 cheese on the bottom bun below literally everything else which in my entire adult life i've never actually seen in real life yeah that's somewhat alarming yeah it's like they made some type of like machine learning neural network or something design it like because no human could have i i I just don't know hmm yeah it's it's weak old news and it's fake news so it doesn't really matter but that's (laughs) that's where the burrito thing comes from um and this was a whole fake controversy and then then the google ceo said he was going to make it his uh top priority to fix this and of course that is google's biggest problem right now not not russian advertising or any any or or uh gender pay parody and nothing no it's 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 hamburgers right um so so that that's that's the thing and as you can tell i'm trying to avoid talking about the iphone 10 for as long as we possibly can so i have one final bit of food follow-up um because this is something upsetting that that came across my desk and you can tell me (laughs) (laughs) have you ever heard of the whopper rito yes i I knew you would so because so, i i'm not an elitist at all but i like just fast food i guess just doesn't penetrate my bubble or, or whatever or like or, or maybe just come across your desk as you would say i do have a desk and things come across it i don't know why that's so funny i, I got a kick i got a kick out of that it's a very it's 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 a it's a very well-known saying it's a saying that actually applies here Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'm an old person that uses a desktop computer in a very crotchety way. So no, this this is a perfect that's a perfect um, <laughs> turn of phrase. But anyway, and also as a as a kid and and as an adult, I I've never I we were a very anti Burger King family because you know you were either a McDonald's or Burger King. We we've talked about this in the past. I think I think we were we were mostly a McDonald's family, but. I remember my dad in particular really liked the Burger King onion rings. And so because of that, mm. we, would, we would sometimes go. Well, what was your opinion on that? Uh, as, a, a, as a kid, I was As a kid, huge. onion rings are not a... Yeah. Oh, I know. I, know. I, I, liked, I liked the onion rings. And I, was gonna, hmm. I thought the question was going to be fast food preferences. And I was going to say, as a kid, I just kind of loved fast food. So wherever we went was fine. It's like watching TV. You don't care what it is as long as the TV's on. I was more picky about my TV than my fast food, but we, let's let's come back to that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, this this <laughs> this managed to not come across my desk when it <laughs> when it launched in 2016. Um, 
apparently, I don't know if this was a national thing, but Burger King just decided to put all the shit they put in a Whopper in a in a tortilla, and then that apparently is is capitalism. I don't know. Oh, so I so I had heard of this when it was in its initial trial run. I was not aware that this was just a thing you could get anywhere now. Yeah, and it, the the picture where again it looks like somebody vivisected this one as well, where they. <laughs> um or, or Johnny Ive ate it very carefully as well. Um Yeah, this looks really gross. It's very it's very troubling, yeah. Yeah, and also it has their gross, disgusting fries that nobody should eat. So what what I do though appreciate about this Wikipedia page is that this is clearly a photo that just someone has taken. Because one of my biggest issues with fast food items is whenever you see a commercial or a photo advertising it for the first time. It never ever ends up looking like that when you purchase it in real life. Oh, most definitely. It's it's like the platonic ideal of of gross carbs. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's 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 hideous because they, they like they use so many visual, they use so much visual trickery and 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 things to make it like they have food stylists. Like and this is a whole industry and this is a whole thing. So uh, I do appreciate when actually, and I think I forget what it, it was like four years ago. But somebody did like a whole not expose, but they did a whole thing on like the stylized image that the um, restaurant train puts out there and um, what it actually looks like in real life. And, and the real life situation was kind of emblematic of like our real life today of like what we think government and, and democracy are. Hmm. The Trump presidency kind of is the Waparito of democracy, right? Uh, I, yeah, uh, I guess uh, a year after the election, that's that's what it's come to. Yeah. Gross ground beef. Binks. Okay. Let's move into follow-up. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you have any? I have a, I have a little bit, but do you have any? Uh, I, I was mostly unplugged uh, since, we last, since we last recorded, so I, I do not. Okay. So, again, as time moves so quickly or so slowly, as we can't really tell anymore... Uh, we may have forgotten that the Houston Astros fulfilled their duty of denying the Dodgers a uh, World Series victory opportunity. Yeah, that that actually was the one thing that I I sort of kept up on and and continued to to watch while I was was away. Got to watch the, kind of like the last the second half of that crazy was a game five, the one that had like is that the one where the forty where one like the umpires and... got pitched <laughs> the tenth inning or something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was a that was a crazy game, and that was mm-hmm. a really really entertaining series. And and as you appropriately point out, the 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 correct team won. Well, and also let's let's clarify asterisk the correct team is anybody who's not the Dodgers, <laughs> right? Uh huh. The the, the, but, the not Dodgers, right? <laughs> yes. But somebody had a tweet, and, and you can find the link because I don't have it. I think I put it in the in the. In the oh, slide. okay, yeah. Let me just but, search Twitter. Hold, hold on. <laughs> whatever you 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 do the thing. You know how to use the internet. Um, and there's like 280 characters on each one of these things now. I've got no um, no hope. No, it's it. not. Only four percent of them are longer than. Stop, stop being dramatic. <laughs> um, somebody posted a thing about congratulations to the Dodgers for avoiding meeting the president. And I thought that was pretty good. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Because uh, because yeah, um, but yeah, a good job to the Astros. And like I don't know, like I, again, like I am on their side for not even just because they're not the not the Dodgers, but. Like they had their season in like 2013 where they were the like just it was over a 100 loss uh, regular season and it was just a absolute they were like they were super Lakers ish and and they they found a way to come back 
Well, yeah. So there was this what's um, sort of become a um, um, a famous thing now. There was this um, Sports Illustrated story from yeah. 2014 that had said that the um, the team would win the World Series in 2017 uh, with, with the um, premise that they would do exactly what they did, where they sort of bottomed out, they collected a bunch of young talent through the draft, and lo and behold, that's, again, what they were able to, to pull off. And the guy that they put on that cover was the World Series or the postseason MVP, which is pretty yeah. impressive. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It does... It does highlight something, though, that I'm, you know, torn about. And you don't hear about this nearly as much in baseball as you do in basketball and to a lesser extent football. But the idea that teams tank in order to to get a better draft pick. And I'm sure we've talked about it on the program, but it's 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 kind of a tricky, a tricky thing. And I don't know, it feels a little it's a little tough to sort of root for it when it works. But was that the intentional point of the 2013 series for the Astros? I don't think it was. No, yeah, no. In, in baseball, it's you know, it, it, like in, in, I think the reason obviously it happens more so in basketball is because truly a single draft pick can turn around an entire franchise. Where mm. whereas in baseball, it, it, it's a little tougher to do that. I mean, the, I, I guess you have your, you know, your. Um, Aaron Judge, I guess, from this season, and like Mike Trout, and you have some of these guys, but um, by and large, not a single player is going to turn around a, a baseball team. So I'm not trying to like needle or troll you, but are the Lakers intentional? Like in the past two or three years, where they've had a really rough season, have they been intentionally tanking, or is it just an embarrassment of riches? Um, or sorry, the opposite. Whatever the you know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't know it it. <laughs> It's hard to say. I, I don't. I don't know if they were. I don't know. I, I don't know if they were outwardly tanking or if they were perhaps not putting their best foot forward. Some nights. I, I. I don't know. Hard. It's hard to say. But they. They were in a situation these past few seasons where if their draft pick fell out of, well, it, it changed from year to year. But if it fell outside the top three or top five, they would end up losing it because of a, a trade they had made years ago. And that sort of incentivizes them to put themselves in a position to to keep that draft pick. But, you know, it's a it's a lottery system still. And all you're doing by having a worse record is is giving yourself better odds of having a high pick, not necessarily having the pick itself. So, you know, they've they've had some luck along the way, too, even if they've <laughs> thrown a couple of games along the way. Got it. And I forget if it was you or somebody else who told me, but is are there credible rumors that LeBron is going to end his career as a Laker? That's been, yeah, I guess this started near the end of last season. I think it may have even been during the finals. Uh, Bill Simmons and, and lots of other NBA media folks started hearing a lot of unnamed sources saying that LeBron was heavily considering joining the Lakers because he's going to be a, a free agent this upcoming offseason. And I've, I've always been really skeptical of it um but there's there's a there's a bunch of smart people in the nba who think who think it's going to happen so what's the upside for somebody like him who's had such a storied career to potential 
to potentially or quite probably end his career on a low note. I mean, just because the team has struggled so much and one man can't, like, one man can do a lot for a team, but he can't turn them around entirely. So, like, what's the upside for him? Because he doesn't need money. So there, yeah. So there, there's a few angles to it. So I guess the the first point to make is that the Lakers are actually there's there's a lot to be excited about with them. They're they're a much much better team this year. They've been playing really well. They have a bunch of exciting young players. So there's there's a much more optimistic future ahead of the team than there was even just last year. I mean, that's not to say they're going to win the title next year, but there's at least you know, they're at least headed in the right direction now. Um, and then the second thing is the Lakers are going to be in a position this season with the salary cap where they're going to be able to not only sign a player like LeBron, but they'd also be able to sign one, potentially two other, what the NBA calls max free agents, which just means players that will get the the maximum size contract that the that the NBA allows. So it wouldn't it, it wouldn't just be LeBron that would come. It would probably be one or two other really good players as well. Um, and then the, th- the third thing that I actually just heard on Bill Simmons's podcast today was one of the sort of legacy things that, that LeBron might be thinking about. And this doesn't necessarily point to him coming to the Lakers specifically, but it's very likely that he's not going to catch Michael Jordan in terms of the number of titles that he's won. Uh, Jordan won six and LeBron, I think, has, I guess, won three. Um, and it, 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 I mean, it's possible he could catch him, but it's becoming more and more unlikely. So what he could be focusing on instead is becoming, I guess it would really be the first player to really be the true leader of three different teams winning the title. And he was on the Cavs, the Heat, and then potentially the Lakers? Right. So that, that's, that, that last point, like I said, is not, doesn't point to LA specifically, but it kind of indirectly does because if he's if he's going to leave Cleveland this next summer would be the time to do it just because he's only got you know two to charitably four more seasons where he's going to be really in his prime and thank you he, for asking the really insensitive follow-up question I just had so thank you which was of how many more useful years he has as, well, as a superstar you know because well, like physically I'm like I, I totally get it well, so LeBron's, he's a really interesting case because, so he's only 32, oh, I think. Oh, God. No. Well, but so the, the crazy thing, right, is that he came into the league before, so now in the NBA, it's the case that you have to spend at least one year after you graduate high school, either playing in college or some players like will go overseas or something, but you have to spend at least one year like outside of high school before you can come into the NBA. But he had been drafted before that rule was put in place. So he came into the league right when he was 18. So even though he's 32, this is actually his 15th season. And not only that, but he's gone to seven straight finals. He's played in two Olympics. So he's I mean, he's played just a ton of basketball. And, that, and that's actually becoming, I think, another part of what he's going to be remembered for, which is... You know, there have been a there have been a lot of really really good players and, and players that are you know probably better than LeBron. Well, not, not a lot of players better than LeBron, but um, you know what I mean. There, there are players that have been better than him, but not for as long as he's been good. 
he is 32. I thought he was in his late 30s or maybe 40. Well, but it's it, but it's it's because you know he's been in the NBA since you and I have been in high school. So it's you know <sighs> it gets it gets distorted a little bit. What was Michael Jordan's number? Michael Jordan was uh, 23 when he was on the Bulls. Yeah. Okay. I was because uh, he's 23 on the Cavaliers as well. So I was like, that seemed a little. Yeah, he was an 20, odd crossover. 23 with the Cavaliers, and I think he wore number six when he was in Miami. And TBA, <laughs> what what number he'll be for the Lakers? It won't happen. <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to either. But maybe he'll do. Well, hold on. What was the thing that? Uh, oh, what's what's his face? Michael Jordan did. Maybe he'll play for the for the Los Angeles. What's their hockey team? Maybe he'll play for the Kings. Didn't didn't uh, Michael Jordan go play baseball for a year? What does that have to do with hockey? Maybe he gives gives up basketball and tries something new. <laughs> he wants to show that he's multi talented. Whatever whatever the sports equivalent of an egot is. Maybe. Man, you're really you're really pulling out the SAT words tonight. What yeah. wait what what word was that? Did you use the, the other one a couple of different times with the burrito being perfectly cut? Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, pr- I'm practicing for the GRE and the LSAT. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, yeah we, anyway, all right. So that was so we were talking about the Astros, and somehow we talked about that for 20 minutes. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then super super brief follow up. Uh, it's been 366 days uh, since the Orange Man in Chief has been elected. But I say that only because I don't want to talk about anything else. You can go listen to the 538 um, Model Talk anniversary episode where they use the, the the good old theme song, which makes me happy. But that's about it. Oh, I didn't even... Darn it. I didn't even God, notice that. Dude, I, I hate the, the, the detective show theme song or what have they been using for the, like the past nine months. Well, I do it's, like... I like that Jody continues to recognize that nobody likes it. <laughs> why did he change it yeah because like the other one was like iconic and it also does convey i don't know just like in my brain it, it captures a certain like emotion in in time but i, I don't know I, I don't care for the new one but whatever mm-hmm. but uh i only bring this up because uh last week an american hero uh by which i mean a rogue twitter contractor uh suspended and or deleted his account uh donald trump's account for 11 minutes and it was uh, it was great. So it's a bummer that it was not permanent, which it should be, because uh, he uses it as a way to bully, harass, and uh, do terrible things to people, which are blatantly against the terms of service. But I'm glad that somebody on their last day of work decided, fuck it, let's do this. <laughs> and uh, I, I, my hat is off to you, sir. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or madam, sorry. Right. But that's it for follow-up for me. You got anything? Uh, nope. All right. And without further ado, I'm going to go make a sandwich while you talk about your, <laughs> your, your, your um, $1,150 iPhone. Yeah, so lots to talk about here, I well, guess. So, so first, to tell me about your... Well, did we do a show where you no, talked about the what the ordering, ordering experience is? No. So go, go ahead and run through all of it. Yeah, so... I think we probably mentioned this part, which was Apple has tried to, I think, make the iPhone upgrade program a little bit easier. Although you posited it also could be related to the uh, Equifax hack. In any case, whatever the reasoning, Apple had a setup where you could go 
into the Apple Store app on your phone and basically be pre-approved to upgrade your phone. So you, you couldn't do this if you were first enrolling in the iPhone upgrade program or if you were buying the iPhone through a carrier. You could only do this if you were an existing member of the iPhone upgrade program and um, you were just looking to, to upgrade your phone. So I did that, um, had gone through the process in the Apple Store app of updating my shipping address to my office because I wanted the phone shipped to work. Kind of did everything I could to make it so that at the stroke of midnight, I could just log into the app and, and quickly order the phone. But, but it, <laughs> that didn't really, didn't really work out. Um, the app, app Store app didn't start working for me until about 12.05, 12.06, something like that. Um, and then when I went to complete my order, which that part actually worked pretty well. There was just a banner at the top of the first page that said, you know, hey, you've you've gone through the pre-approval process. Click here to finish your order. I did that. It had not saved my work address like it was supposed to. I don't know if that's because of the my home address being what I used for the iPhone upgrade program. Whatever the case is, I had to go through and re-enter my work address. Um, and during that process, when I when I had first gotten to that page, I had it had said, you know, hey, you're you're you can pick up the phone November third, or you can have it delivered November third. And I was going to be away on the third, so I you know opted for the delivery option, which is what brought me to that page to change my address. And by the time I had finished entering my uh, work address and clicked the you know kind of complete order button. I then got the notification saying that the phone would be delivered between November 16th and November 23rd, which, you know, we we kind of half-jokingly said on the show that we were expecting our phones to show up in 2018, so I was still relatively satisfied with those dates. Um, but while I was out last week, the shipping uh, time got bumped up to today, actually, to November 8th, but then when the phone actually got shipped, it had said that it would be delivered by end of day on Monday, the 6th. And sure enough, Monday morning, it showed, showed up at my office. So I've surprisingly had the phone now for two and a half days. Hooray. <laughs> so it's, I, uh, well, we, 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 we belly ached and a lot about the, the whole gamification and, and, and uh, a little bit of the jackassery that was related to the, the pre-order process. And I think that was compounded a little bit with the potentially false rumors about extreme supply constraints but overall kind of cool that literally you got yours one business day after launch yeah and, and in my case you know i i actually got home saturday night so for me it was basically like the first non-sunday that i was even here um so yeah so timing wise for me it, it worked out really well and it, it seems like even if you order a phone now through Apple, it's only three I, to four weeks. Yeah, right. So you you could still get a phone this calendar year, and it it seems like too, the Apple <laughs> stores <year>. are. <laughs> um, uh, what was you know all the all the rumors were like, oh, it's going to instantly be pushed back to twenty eighteen. Well, um, the fiscal year twenty eighteen. Sure, obviously. right. Uh, but I guess also the other thing is you can regularly check stock at Apple stores, and they they they've been getting them like every day, every other day, kind of thing. So yeah. These things can be had if, if you if you want them. I, I the whole process again. I stand by what I said before. It's incredibly dumb, and I really hate myself for participating in it. I do not like do staying up. 
I do. I like staying up to midnight that night and then sitting there like an idiot, constantly closing the app, reopening it, closing the app, reopening it, waiting for the page to load was dumb. <laughs> um, although the only the only part of the process I enjoy is once I've completed my <laughs> order, I'll go on to Twitter and just look at the you know ten to fifteen minutes after midnight to read other people's experiences. And well, poor... can, can can you put on the, put a link in the thing to Dave Pell? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try to I'll try to look for that. But poor yeah, poor Dave Pell. He had a, very, a similar experience to me where his Apple Store app it, it seemed to come online at different times for different people, and for him it didn't come online until I think around twelve fifteen or or thereabouts. And he had a very similar experience to me where he had been given I don't know if it was a November third date or maybe a couple of days later date when he first went to put in his order. But then by the time he had filled out all of his information, it had said something like the end of November or something, at, at which point I don't even think he ended up ordering the phone that night and basically just said, fuck it, I'm going to bed, <laughs> which, you know, I, I read that at like 1230 at night. So I probably thought it was funnier than it actually was. But um, I, 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 I got the sense that he, you know, had a similar sentiment that I did, that this is just. Um, this was just a dumb process. And in fact, actually, another one of his tweets, which I was just able to find, uh, was him basically posting a picture of him frantically refreshing the App Store page, saying that he feels like an idiot. <laughs> which, you know, that's that's exactly how I feel, too. Well, good. Again, all uh, shameless consumerism should come with uh, a side helping of self-loathing. So I appreciate that. And yeah, very good. Um, so what, what, what do you think about your, uh, so hold on. So California's tax rate in the Bay area is 9.25%. So 1150 times 1.0925. All right. So what do you think of your $1,256 phone? Oh yeah. And, and we, and even though, you know, you, you pay for the phone over 24 months, you pay, pay the sales tax all up front. Well, of course. Um, you understand how this works. Yeah. 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 So yeah, gosh, where to where to start? Um, I guess maybe the the place that I would start would be the perspective of a plus user for the last year switching to this phone. So plus club, right, right. Uh, so you know, Dan Morin had made a comment. It was either today or yesterday on Twitter where he was shipping his iPhone, his old iPhone, back to the iPhone upgrade program, which little side note i actually did that tonight too i got my like trading kit in the mail which confusingly came in a separate shipment i don't know why they just didn't include it with the iphone but anyway that that whole process was was pretty seamless and is the way it should have been last year but anyway uh, he was making the comment as he was packing up his iphone that the that his old iphone 7 felt really really small and i i've had sort of exactly the opposite experience where you know, basically every time I've picked up my phone over the last couple of days, it's felt really small. And I, I know it's not really, it's not a bad thing, I don't think, but it's just, it's, it's been, it's been weird going back to a non plus size phone. And I think other than just sort of the general kind of weird feeling of it, which I'm sure come this time next week, I'll probably, I'll probably be at the point where if I pick up a plus phone, I'm like, oh God, this is huge. Um, the only time I really notice the difference functionally is the keyboard. 
because the um the 10 or the x as you would say is is pretty um significantly more narrow than the plus i mean not in terms of like actual like i guess measurement but just in in terms of feel it's it's a lot more narrow and and they, they, you really feel that when using the the keyboard uh in portrait mm-hmm. um which again i i think is something that i'll i'll just adjust to so it's it's not that big of a deal but it's just it's definitely it it's it definitely feels a ton smaller than the plus like i'm i'm actually really surprised um with mike hurley on upgrade this week because you know he's been he's been an even longer term plus user than me and he really seemed to just completely be like fine with the size like right away which i I, yeah again i'm I'm sort of surprised by like i'm confident i'll get used to it but it's a pretty significant difference um but anyway um I, i guess the the next thing i've i've that stood out to me that i've got on the list here is the screen which I think in a like in a, in a blind test, I'm not really sure I'd be able to tell the difference between OLED and Apple's more recent screens. Hmm. Like I, th- I think I heard a take. Um, I think this was on Nine to Five Mac in in one of their rather reviews or first impressions where it was something along the lines of you know this is a really nice screen, but Apple's been making really good screens for a while now, and so I don't necessarily notice a huge difference i mean it lo- looks great but um but i like it like it, it, i think they brand it as being like super retina like i'm not really sure i can tell the difference between super retina and retina so do you do you not use many uh apps that have like a dark mode or are mainly gray or black so i guess i guess not because that, that is sort of the the big thing with OLED, right? Is you get those like true blacks. I guess I haven't yeah. really, I guess I haven't really paid attention to that, I guess, except for when you, when I open it, <laughs> when I open yeah. it. Yeah. Which we can, we can get more into that. But when you, when you use a non iPhone 10 updated app and you get those black bars at the top and bottom, I, I guess those do look true black. So I guess, I guess there you go. There's your true utility of OLED. For th- for three GS mode, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. So so the so the screen the screen looks. I mean, it looks great. But again, like I've been happy with iPhone screens for a long time, so I that that didn't really necessarily blow me away. And what I have found really disappointing is True Tone. So I I've never really been a huge True Tone fan on the iPad. I I've left it on my iPad, but I like I don't really. F- I've never really felt like I've loved it. And I've really found that at least with my iPhone 10, when I have true tone on the screen, is just, it's too warm. It's oh, it always looks like it's almost in that was a night mode or night shift, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it, it almost looks like that a lot of the time. And so I ended up just turning true tone off on the screen this morning and kind of left it that way today. And I've been much, much happier with it. So I think I may end up just leaving True Tone off, at least for now. I just, I don't, I really don't like the the yellowish orange hue that the screen ends up having. Um, and then the other issue too, right, is it, this happens less with my iPad, which is maybe part of the reason it hasn't jumped out at me as much on the iPad. But with my phone, 
throughout the day, I'm constantly bouncing back and forth between usually my phone and like a computer monitor or, you know, my phone and just other screens throughout the day and going from a non true tone display back to the phone is really jarring. Like the colors again, just look really off on the phone. So maybe it would be different if like every screen I looked at throughout the entire day were true tone, but I don't know. I feel I feel in the minority there. I feel like everyone just like raves about True Tone like all the time, and I I don't know. I don't I don't think I care for it that much. No, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm I'm I am very picky about color temperature and that kind of stuff. And and I think a lot of times it's it's just it's too warm and too too yellow. Yeah. So so do you leave True Tone on your iPad? I do, but that's only because the iPad is basically a glorified alarm clock for me. Hmm. Yeah, so so again, I, I've I've turned True Tone off. We'll we'll see if I stick with that. But so the the real testament to it was I kind of left I left this part of the story out when I I was I was just kind of playing around with it this morning because again, like I noticed it looked just kind of just too yellow this morning, and so I turned True Tone off. I'm like, oh yeah, this does look better, and it, I legitimately just forgot to turn it back on, and it occurred to me like tonight, I'm like, man, like yeah, the screens actually looked a lot better today. And then I go back to settings. I'm like, oh yeah, I never chewed, never turned True Tone back on. So it was sort of a, a true like blind test to see what what I preferred. Uh, Except not blind because it's all visual. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. So then, of course, yeah, I, I'm burying the lead here, which is, of course, Face ID. You know, like mm. it, I, it's it's fine. I don't, I don't hate it. I've already found myself getting a lot more used to it than I initially was. I, I don't love it. I mean, the, the, and I, I kind of knew this coming into it. There are just a ton of different situations, mostly when the phone is flat on my desk, where previously there was no issue unlocking the phone with Touch ID. But now I have to either lean over the phone or hold the phone up to me in order to unlock, which is just, it's just a different, it's a different workflow. So um, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you say you had like one of those elevation docks or something that like kind of sort of had it more at eye level? So, so that's been a pleasant surprise is I thought there was, so, so let me, I guess let me preface this by saying that one of the issues I've actually had is if I have the phone kind of like below me like kind of near my chest like after i've picked it up and if i then go to look down at it that's the that's the case i have found that face id fails the most often and where i have to kind of tilt my head further down than it would be sort of natural to do in order to in order for it to work um so i thought given that that there'd be no chance that it would work on on the dock but I, surprisingly it does i don't know if it's because the dock is a little bit further away from me than i would normally like hold the phone and so it, it's got a little bit of a wider angle of my face I, I don't know but anyway it does work on that dock which is that's been one of the most impressive things um and it and it works with my sunglasses which was the other kind of thing that i was super curious about i have a pair of like nicer sunglasses that i bought a year and a half ago or something and I was going to be pretty bummed if if those didn't work because they're kind of like my one pair of sunglasses that I sort of wear, you know, like every day. And it would have been a huge pain in the ass to like have to get different sunglasses to use my phone. Uh, but the, that works. That works 
perfectly, which again, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised by. Um, but again, I, I think like in, I think the, the best way to describe my experience so far is that it, it I don't think it works quite as well as touch ID, but I, I don't think it's a disaster. Like it, it, it does generally work pretty well and it's, it's, it's neat when it does. And the, the biggest tip that I got, I, I think this was Jason Snell, um, might've been Gruber. It's, someone pointed this out and it, it really did kind of help. So, you know, there's, when you hold the phone up and the screen turns on, there's the little lock icon and then it, it, there's an animation for it to unlock once face ID works. But the tip is as soon as the screen comes on, just flip up on the home screen. Don't, don't wait for that lock icon to, to change. And more times than not, it, the, the screen will just, it'll just immediately unlock. Cause really the trick is face IDs already authenticated you like the first frame of that unlocking animation. And so if you just flip up on the screen right away, you're basically just bypassing that, that animation and you're, and you're not even thinking about whether face ID worked or not. And in, in the cases where it doesn't register you right away, it'll just bring up in the little face ID icon and, and then it'll, it'll register your swipe up as soon as face ID is done. So that's, that's helped a little bit, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's, I think it's just going to take some getting used to. And I'm, I, I, I feel like after some more use, I'll, I'll kind of adjust to the way that it works. And, you know, ultimately it'll be roughly as good as, as touch ID. Roughly as good for a phone that costs more. <laughs> right. So, again, I'm somebody who doesn't have a phone, although I've played around with it quite a bit. It just... I know whatever Apple wants to spin about the tale about why Face ID is a default. Do you think Apple... That Face ID is in the state that Apple thinks they want it to be and that it's ready? And that the fact that they couldn't get touch id and again you you we've talked at length and and you've been super uh <laughs> prickly about the apple has locked down the design a long time ago so therefore all the articles saying apple is weighing like different design decisions like that came out like in the spring were like total bullshit which they probably are obviously do you, do you think this is the reality that apple wanted like, do you think they would have wanted Face ID with Touch ID on the screen as a fallback or as another option? Or do you think, like, is this the future and the phone that Apple wanted? I mean, um, unless they're blatantly lying both privately and publicly, then yes. I mean, the, the reality is that, and this is what I'll link to in the notes, Gruber, right before the phone was released, had a, an article, Face ID FUD is what he named it. He had sources privately tell him that it was never the case that they just couldn't get Touch ID to work under the screen. They could have gotten it to work, and instead they realized they could get Face ID in a place that they felt like it was better than Touch ID, and that's what they wanted to go with. And since the phone has come out, there have been a handful of interviews, um, and, and not with the big names that we know. I, I think that's been some of the other like product leads and things that have, have publicly said, you know, no, I mean, we we could have continued to use touch id but we feel like face id is a a better experience so again i mean i guess it's possible that they're they're privately and publicly lying about that but i, I that strikes me as being unlikely i i i do think that they believe that face id is better and 
I mean, I can see, I can see what they're saying. I mean, I, I like, I, I, I totally think the way this is going to go down, which is not all that dissimilar to Touch ID. I mean, it's it's a little different because Touch ID really did work really damn well right out the gate. But then Touch ID two came along, and it it was a lot better, and it was a lot faster and more reliable. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here is we're going to get the iPhone iPhone ten point two or whatever next year, and it's going to have Face ID 2 that's going to work from more extreme angles and be faster and maybe even allow you to have two, you know, have two different people registered to it, whatever. Like, it's, there's going to be some... Oh, could have... You're acting like that's some, some gigantic technical feat, though. Well, but... So, I'm just, I'm just saying that I, I can totally see, you know, Face ID getting better over time. And I think as that happens, it will be better than Touch ID because even now, when... When I have those moments, and it's it's happening fairly regularly, especially as I've become more accustomed to the phone, when you have those moments where you just pick up your phone and you just immediately swipe up on the screen and you and you don't even think about Face ID happening, that 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 is truly an experience that's even better than Touch ID. But again, the issue right now is that just that just doesn't always happen, and and Touch ID was in a place where darn near every single time it just you know just worked right away so let me let me ask you because as somebody who does who is who does not have the phone and is not using it as like their daily carry device i guess i can't like i i don't ever turn my phone on using the power button like it's always the home button so therefore literally there is never a time that my phone is locked like so i just i guess i don't understand the draw or like the the use case that people are are trying to sell as to why touch id is better in the sense that like when you wake it up like you don't even have to think about it because like right now i don't think about unlocking my phone either because the way i unlock my phone is it gets woken up by the home button which is being pressed by a finger that is recognized by touch id and the net whatever the current generation touch id sensor is is just so reliable and fast that it's like literally there's never a time that it's not unlocked well, so there, there's two there's two things here. The the first, which is not specific to the iPhone 10 and has been around, I think, since iOS 10 last year, which is raised to wake. So that that continues to happen. And so if you're raising the phone off your desk or out of your pocket, the screen just automatically turns on and then Face ID kicks in. But then the second thing, which I do think is specific to the iPhone 10, or maybe specific to iOS 11, but I, I think specific to the iPhone 10, is you can just simply tap anywhere on the screen, or you might it might actually have to be towards the lower section of the screen. I well, I, mean, I can test it here. So the iPhone's on the desk, any anywhere on the screen, you just tap the screen and it comes on. And again, that will kick off Face ID, assuming that you're in its in its viewable area. Eh, okay, all right. That's some okay. That's something this LG has been doing for four years, but I I, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Um. Also, so I guess another little um nitpicky thing, and I feel like you and I almost we have to we almost have to lean a little bit more into what we don't <laughs> like about the phone. Is I just I'm getting a little a little tired of just the overly positive feedback that we seem to get with every Apple product. Mm-hmm. I it's it feels like just the last year or two that started to really and let's preface it that we're, we're we're not 
super negative, but it's also because we listen to a lot of this stuff and we read a lot of this stuff. Sometimes just like it's not that like we're like oh people are on Apple payroll or something, but you're just like like there's there's a lot of people we trust and read regularly where like there's like this kind of like weird uncritical view that's just super odd that i think sometimes we are more critical because of that so and yeah so i mean let's, let's put out the usual disclaimer i we're huge fans of apple i've said it multiple times i waited up until midnight like an idiot to pre-order a phone i think the iphone 10 is super super cool like the fact that this thing detects my face and then unlocks I mean, it's, it's the whole, it's awesome. Like, I mean, I, it's, it's a beautiful design. It feels really great in the hand. I mean, it's, it's, it's an awesome, awesome product. So, you know, but I, I think you can feel good about a product and still have things that you, that you want to point out or sort of complain about. Uh, one of which for me is this is not an edge to edge screen. And I'm not even talking about the notch. <laughs> There, I mean, there, no. there is a there is a border just like there has been on every single iphone and granted it's it's especially at the top and bottom it's a whole lot smaller than it used to be but there is there is very clearly a black bezel around this phone like and i i, I forget who was was on twitter but they're like you can land like a a, a jet airliner like on <laughs> on like the bezel around the screen which is fine because you know like totally totally but like the fact that you're like one no like it's hard to hijack your thread but like this this ever since like the galaxy s7 which i think came out in like 2015 or 20 yeah 2015 like it has had a far more true edge to edge screen than this phone has which is fine like that's okay but like apple keeps saying like oh it's, it's got an edge to edge oled display but no it doesn't it's got like a fourth of an inch black border around the entire edge of the screen and then you have that whole sensor and camera notch up top which Again, it's a design decision that's cool, whatever. But yeah, it's it's not edge to edge at all. So I guess the the best way that I could put this, which I kind of alluded to, I guess earlier with the the OLED discussion, is if you just handed me this phone without knowing like what it was or having heard any of the marketing around it, I would not have immediately picked up on the fact that it was OLED or in, in any way significantly different than previous iPhone screens. And I also would not have thought of it as being edge to edge. Like I would have thought like, oh, they've really reduced the bezels on the on the phone and that and that's awesome. But I, I wouldn't have thought of it as being edge to edge. Yeah. And then on that note of the uncritical Apple press, I have put in a, a link into the thing of, of Renee Ritchie's review. iPhone 10, the best damn product Apple has ever made. I think this may be what what causes maybe a, a excess cynicism. Well, and I I just I just like and I think you you and I chatted about this offline. I mean, and again, we'll preface this: huge fans of Upgrade. It's probably the podcast I most look forward to every week. I really really like Jason. I've come to really enjoy Mike on the program. <laughs> no, I, I I mean wow, that, that was I, weird. I I mean that. I mean, I, I've I've been critical of him at times, but I I really do enjoy him, and obviously we had the chance to meet him in person, which was which was great earlier this year. Um, so you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not only to be overly negative on them at all, but I just I was really disappointed this week with just how blindly positive they were about the phone. Like I I just like I think again it's 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 fine to like a product, but also point out 
it's like I just to, I don't know. To me, if you're if you've been a regular user of, of Touch ID for years, I just I find it really hard to believe that like you instantly find Face ID just to be undisputably better. Like, I just I'm just I just not I'm not really. I'm not really sure how. You, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm using it wrong. I don't know. But yeah, I just so, so, like so. So I, I I brought this up to you because this made no sense to me. Because like when I when I was listening to that episode, I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like two people I I really respect and and trust and and their their opinions on this product. But it was super weird to hear that like they're like, oh yeah, Face ID total non issue. It's equivalent to Touch ID. But then they cited like a whole bunch of reasons why it's worse. Like like I think Mike was like. Oh yeah, when it's on a table, um, I now have to hold the phone differently because it just right, doesn't yeah. unlock. Right. And then Jason was like, "Oh, some I like I'm recording podcasts a lot of time during the day, but when there's a microphone in front of me, it doesn't unlock." So I'm like, "Those are two ways. It's objectively worse, which is which is okay. It's different. Like that's cool, but like that that those are like points against it." In terms of Face ID being better, this is this the, we we could not. It's it's almost like we planned this, but we didn't. So I, I, he, I don't know what you're talking about. Here we here we are recording a podcast, right? I've got my iPhone 10 just off to my left here. And whereas previously, if I were to have gotten a message or something, I could very easily look down and even unlock the phone if I wanted to while continuing to talk into this microphone and not be any worse for the wear. But I mean, now there's there's no way for me to do that. I mean, I I I would have to pick up the phone and then like turn away from the microphone and, you know, use, use face ID. I mean, there's just, it's, you know, and, and that, to me that, that is objectively a worse experience and it just, it just is what it is. And, you know, and, and, and again, I'm not like, I'm not in any way saying that like face ID is a failure or in all cases worse than touch ID. I mean, I think I went out of my way of saying just a few minutes ago that, when Face ID is at its best, it, it is better than Touch ID. I just think it speaks to how incredibly versatile and functional Touch ID was. Right. I mean, totally, totally. Um, and I, I, my biggest thing, though, which I, I think I've said before, but I'll say it again, Face ID is going to get there. It, it's not there today, but I, I have almost n- no doubt that even maybe as early as next year's iPhone they're going to get face ID in a place that is, is just awesome because it, it, it does work. It does work really well. It works better than I expected it to. Um, and I, and I do think that, I don't know, maybe it won't be next year's phone. Maybe it's two generations of iPhone from now, but sometime in the near future, I, I, I do think that, that we, we will eventually get to the point where we'll look back and say, yeah, you know, touch ID seems kind of archaic now. So let me ask, and this is only just because I need something for like the the court case and like the the Christmas highlight reel. But so next year's phone, how much does next year's phone cost? I I feel like I have no sense of what their iPhone strategy is going to be going forward now. Like I I really you, you, I don't you you I, have to pick. I hmm. I kind of I I don't think they'll raise the price again. I I, I think I so. Think I'm saying they'll... does does next year's top of the line iPhone also cost eleven hundred fifty dollars? I think so. Yeah, because I mean I I feel like a total broken drum, but I mean we've we've said this over and over again on the show. I'm and I'm not saying this is the right way to think about it. I'm just saying I I think this is the truth. 
I just don't think people think about prices of phones that way. They think about what their monthly payment's going to be. It's like it's like buying a car. I mean, this is this is the this is the car salesman trick where they they do everything they can to avoid telling you the total price and they instead try to get you fixated on a on a monthly cost. Well, but yeah, just because Americans don't understand math doesn't I, yeah, it's, nah. it's not it's not it's not it's not an American thing. It's just it's a consumer thing. And just people just don't people just don't think about costs in the same way when they have the option of making monthly installments. I'm I'm not saying that's that's good or bad. It's probably bad, but <laughs> but I I I just I'm bringing that up because it, it that's exactly what allows something like this to cost $1100 without really seeming like it does and without that being an issue. And I mean clearly it it for and you know I I consider myself very fortunate that that I'm in a position to buy an $1100 phone. But I mean, clearly, for a, for a lot of people, that's a lot of a lot of people can. I mean, the, the demand and the excitement around this thing was, as Tim Cook said, off the charts. So, you know, I mean, it, clearly, the price isn't isn't driving people away. Uh, we'll see. I I I I I, st- I still hold. I still think my theory is right. No, I mean, and I and I, you know, I I to me, and I don't think I've. I think I've kind of tried to say this before on the air, but I've, I've been thinking about it since we last recorded, and I, I think I've come to a better way of, of saying what I've been trying to say, which is I don't think this launch window is going to be the time to measure whether this two iPhone strategy is successful or which one's going to be significantly more popular than the other. Like, I mean, clearly in this initial time window, the, the people who get most excited about it are the dummies like you and me who want the latest and greatest. So like, so of course the iPhone 10 is going to generate more excitement than the iPhone 8 this time around. But to me, what's going to be really interesting is, okay, you know, at, maybe even like after the holiday season, so like the first six months of 2018, like, what does that look like? What are, what are, what are people doing when they walk into an Apple store? The initial excitement's run off. Someone's just ready to, you know, upgrade their iPhone five or iPhone six or whatever. And you know, so so what do they pick? Do they pick a ten or do they pick an eight? That they to get me and walk out. <laughs> to, uh, right, or, right, or yeah, or that. So, so to me, that's the that's the far more interesting time period. This this initial launch window. I mean, like whatever. So we shall see. But overall, you're you're happy. Yeah, I, I I think so. I, I my my biggest things ha- again have been probably the size, which I think I'm going to get get used to. I think I'll continue to get more confident with Face ID, and t- t- turning True Tone off has apparently been a been a good decision. Um, and I I guess I'll also say to to continue maybe ending this on a more positive note is. The, the not, it is true. The notch really isn't. A, it's not a big deal when you're using the phone. It it kind of just blends into the background. I mean, I, with with bright white backgrounds, I'm sure it maybe sticks out a little bit. But it, but it really is the case that it, more often than not, you you kind of just don't think about it. So two things with that. So so the notch. Yes, I would actually. Pro- I, I would agree with you that it's not a huge deal. But I would say it's not a huge deal. Because it goes back to what you were saying in that the screen is not an edge-to-edge screen. Because it's not a big deal because you kind of learn to ignore the two ears of the display. Is that fair? It Well, yeah, it is. But I, I also think what's really beneficial is sticking the um, 
the the time and then your signal strength and battery up there because before like it really you can even look at like a older iphone or even like your ipad and you're like damn the 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 i don't even what's it called on the older iPhone status bar status bar takes up a lot of space and now Mm. it now it it doesn't really feel like it does yeah okay sure but like but overall like yeah like i i don't think it's that big of a deal and also this this goes to my like just that that using your phone in landscape is an irresponsible thing to do like so i think it like because landscape mode was one of the big drawbacks of the notch where like you're like oh this this all looks so ridiculous but also i think using a phone in landscape mode is ridiculous unless you're playing a game so if you're not doing that it's it's generally a non-issue but again it goes against apple's whole it's an edge-to-edge screen thing right where they could have avoided all of this probably with little harm by just making the screen not have those ears. So may- maybe the most interesting thing about the notch and what it does to the status bar is when you're using the phone now, so when it's unlocked and you're using it, the carrier name no longer appears. It does appear when the phone is locked and when you go to charge it and when you pull down control center, which, oh, by the way, the placement of control center, which is like the one negative thing they pointed out on upgrade, is terrible. It, it's it's just objectively worse than being able to flip up from the bottom, mm-hmm. which I mean, obviously, they, they can't do that now because of the way the home gestures work, but but it is just it's just worse. I don't see how you could argue otherwise. Uh, but anyway, so... In those in those three use cases are the only time that you see the carrier name now, which you know is it's it's different now. It's 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 kind of weird not seeing, you know. For How me, will you know you're on AT and T? No, but I mean, it, and it's like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, I, why do I constantly need to see what carrier I'm on? Like that's such a waste of waste of space. Um, I'm sure the carrier doesn't like that at all. No, no, I mean, d- definitely not. I mean, wasn't it like a thing with the original iPhone? Like one of like the things it did was it didn't have a carrier logo like on the hardware and didn't basically every well, the, other the phone. The original iPhone had a lot of things. It had no pre-installed carrier bloatware. It didn't have singular video on there. It, remember <laughs> it launched where it was supposed to be on singular except right. they rebranded to AT&T, more bars and more places. Phones are complicated. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, so do you, do you have anything else related to it like the only thing about this i think is well because you were already in the plus club so your 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 view is is tainted my my view is the 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 opposite of a lot of people yeah like again for me like for most people right the, the going to this phone feels like a a bigger phone but for me even though i guess technically like corner to corner it's it's a bigger screen to me it feels like a, a significantly smaller device yeah, but but it is it is nice like to to have the nice cameras in 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 a, in a reasonably sized device. Well, right, and for me the the thing is, I mean, one handed use again, right? I mean, this phone is way way easier to use in one hand than the Plus, which you know that's that's nice. Um, and I and I feel like less of an idiot when I'm actually using it for for phone calls. <laughs> um, that's that's a big big pro right um i guess i that the last thing which again to end on a positive note here is um i don't miss the home button at all like touch id again i you know, missed that a little bit but basically right away I, I i'm not finding myself missing the home button really in any way i find the 
I guess people have been calling it the home indicator, the little bar that's that's mm-hmm. always at the bottom, and the the way that you can flip left and right to switch between apps, and the way that you can um, drag up and hold to bring up the multitasking view, and the way that you just flip up to unlock or to close an app, like all of that works really really well. And you you never used a WebOS device, did you? No. So you you don't know where they stole that from, right? No, but I, I've I've heard that comment. Yeah, <laughs> it is, and I and I know it is. We're 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 just like the the smartphone thing is it's mature now, and it's it's been it's we're a decade in, but that whole thing is totally like undeniably lifted slash stolen from WebOS. Whatever. I mean, like it's great that it. I mean, it benefits us as people who prefer the platform of iOS. But yeah, but it, it's entirely the paradigm of of iOS um, modal UI switching that debuted in two thousand nine. But whatever. Right. But it 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 works really well, and I've you know we've I've had a home button on not only my phone but iPads now for I mean for the phone the last I guess I've been using an iPhone nine years. And with iPads for four or five, um, I, I was pretty amazed that I, I I basically just didn't miss the home button right away. So that, that's a that's a testament to how Apple sort of um, um, ad- adjusted to that seamlessly. So can I ask one last question before mm-hmm. we wrap up? Mm-hmm. So people have mentioned that the way that the home indicator and like app switching is implemented on iPhone ten is similar but also different than it is on the iPad. What is like what does that mean? Like what how, how does that work out? So I think I I think so obviously in the iPad with the home button still being there, you still have the home button as being the mechanism by which you unlock the device and by which you always get back to the springboard. And then with the iPad swiping up always does the same thing, which is bringing up the multitasking view and bringing up control center. So I think what people are getting at is what happens when you swipe up is different. You get more information and you still have kind of these two different things you're doing, which is pressing the home button or swiping up. Whereas on the phone, you're always swiping and that swipe has different behaviors depending on whether you hold down your finger or whether you don't you don't get as much information because you're not getting control center so i think that's kind of what people are getting at and i mean and today of course the (laughs) totally inevitable rumor came out by this was by mark german but i mean really could have probably been written by anybody which is Apple's working on a new version of the iPad for next year, which, surprise, surprise, is going to have a, what Apple will probably call an edge-to-edge screen, but is really not an edge-to-edge screen, and will not have a home button and have all these same, have all these same gestures that the iPhone does. I mean, yeah, like, of, of course, of course that's coming. Got it. Okay. Cool. Glad, glad you're very happy with yours. I guess the other thing that I'll say, which is not a not a personal reaction to the phone, but just more of a, a general comment about the phone. Remember last year when the seven was coming out and people were speculating about reasons why they didn't have a headphone jack, and this was before we found out it was because they were courageous. Um, I I'm now totally buying into the theory that 
Apple perfectly well have could have kept the headphone jack in last year's phone, but they took it out of last year's phone so that it wouldn't be a thing this year. Because you you have not heard a single comment about either the eight or in Apple's case, probably more importantly, the 10 about the headphone jack. Whereas if this was the first year that they didn't include the headphone jack, that headline would have been all over the place, just like it was last year. So you're saying that Phil Schiller's courage was the courage to sell a $1,200 phone? No, I'm I'm saying I, I'm I'm saying it, I'm not saying it's courage. I'm saying it's marketing savvy, and I I totally think the reason is they they just wanted to get all that out of the way last year so that this new flagship phone could come out and the lack of a headphone jack just not being a thing. No, I'm saying that the the their courage to remove it from the iPhone seven was the courage to release a $1,200 phone a year later. <laughs> sure, I guess, yeah. No, no. So in that case, Phil is like Mike the Cleaner from Breaking Bad. <laughs> he was setting the stage for what was going to happen next. Right. Yeah. All right, well, very, very, very happy that you got your toy and that everything's great. So, and so you... Not going to buy one. <laughs> really? I have thought about it, and I don't care, and I'm going to save the money. Okay. So does that mean, are you going to stick with a 7, or would you consider getting an 8? I think I'm going to set it out. I don't know, man. Like, I, like famous last words, I'm sure, up, like, this yeah, might change. Yeah, I feel change. like we, we've, we've, did, we had this exact conversation, was it the iPhone 6? iPhone 5S? I, no. There was, there was definitely a cycle where you for the first couple of months were like yeah no i'm just i'm gonna sit this out and then like two months later have i one. just don't see the upside like the, the only thing is i think like i mean having the best camera like i mean that is always important to me but everything else like my seven is fine i don't know like it's just not like it's it's a lot of money yeah no it it, it totally it totally is like and also i've just thought about the face id thing like uh, my phone is laying flat a lot of the time. Like, th there's a lot of times where, it, like, I just think it, like, Face ID would just annoy the shit out of me. I don't know. We'll see. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm. I. I have no. I have no damned principles, and I have no morals. And I. I will. I will fold over faster than a Republican with tax cuts in front of him. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Uh, or or a, a libertarian uh, in a land dispute. You know, what I, this, you know what I just kind of, I, I thought about this the other day. Wouldn't it be really funny if, well, it wouldn't be funny because it would be awful for the country, but if the, <laughs> if the, um, I don't know what you're going to say. Um, the, if the Republicans, you know, they pass their tax plan and then like literally the next, the next day impeach Trump, <laughs> just, they're like, we just, we wanted you in office just, just to get these tax cuts through. But he's not doing anything. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't saw legislation. He doesn't fucking. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, but they'll. I bet there's enough. I think. And I think there's enough uh, Republicans salivating over this tax thing that even. But they could do even, that on their own. I don't. I don't see. So here, yeah, I. I get that, but I don't see him as ever being uh, somebody who who's who's whipping up the votes and rallying public support. I think like he he at best is somehow avoiding derailing the GOP GOP legislative agenda. Like I I I I uh, like all all he has done for tax reform is said that oh oh the Democrats weren't with us with health care but you know what the GOP is going to get this done before Thanksgiving so all he's done is give an artificial timetable for a legislative thing that he has no input or support for 
Well, don't forget that he wanted to call it the really cut, cut, savvy cut, 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 cut bill, right? Yeah, cut, cut cubed. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so not buying the iPhone 10, but let's talk in January, but probably not buying the iPhone 10. <laughs> um, so I got two remaining footnotes on this. So as as I mentioned, that <laughs> should probably be a real uh, segment on the show. Uh, what does your special lady friend think? Because again, we could just not have this podcast and have a regular person talk about like just like the brass tacks, like no bullshit thing. What does she think of it? Um, <laughs> actually, yeah, I actually have a good story about this. You'll appreciate this. <laughs> so I, you know, I set up the phone on Monday and you know do the whole um, you know restore process, get it all up and going, and I, you know, I, I get Face ID set up and. I'm just, I'm playing around with it a little bit and, you know, like, um, she goes like, oh, like, you know, show me, show me how it works with, with face ID. And I thought like the, the easiest way to demonstrate it for her would, would be to do the thing where, you know, if you're not looking at the phone, face ID doesn't unlock the phone and it doesn't unlock until you look at it. And I had done that on my own just, just a couple of times, like right after I had set it up and it, it worked, of course. You picked the most complicated thing in your demo. <laughs> oh, why? And I I pulled a um, I pulled a uh, Craig Federighi on the stage, and uh, yeah, sure enough, yeah. When when I went to when I went to demonstrate that, at Touch ID failed or Face ID failed, and I had to enter my passcode, uh, which was which was pretty good. But then it, it worked the next time, and she's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's the you know that's cool." She just goes back to her, her to her eight, and she's like, "Oh, this is amazing." But she's had the the really smart takes of I think what I've shared with you, I think just offline. But um, when she's been really excited about the inductive charging for a couple of years, and has been disappointed that it hasn't come to the phone. And uh, when I told her that it, you know, it was it was going to be on the eight, which she was about to pre order, she was like, "Oh, cool! Like, so like it comes with it." And I'm like, "Well, no, you you got you got to go buy this like you know this separate thing." And she's like, "Well, that's that's dumb." And she hasn't bought one, which I don't blame her. I'm probably not either. Um, and then I think she had the same reaction when I explained that my my new phone wasn't going to have Touch ID. And she goes, "Well, that's dumb." <laughs> like, yeah, it's a fair point. <laughs> uh, Have you ever thought like this whole side of your life is just for? for <laughs> uh, Anyway, well, what are we what are we doing this for? Just 135 episodes of shit. That could be like, <laughs> I just, just wait two years. <laughs> Fuck it. Oh, imagine how much happier we would be too if we didn't stress out about technology. Yeah, I, yeah, technology is dumb. I think I think new technology is dumb. Like being yeah, I think being all technology a, is dumb. Being a like being a first adopter is is particularly stupid. Yeah, but think how much easier life your life would be if you were one of those old people that's wrote to the Olive Garden on Facebook and that's all you used computers for. Wouldn't that be easier? Yeah. I guess my like my, my big thing is like freaking I spent hours and hours and hours in the early days of the iPhone getting my calendar and contacts and all that shit to sync properly. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry to interrupt. I'm going to give people a flash forward into <laughs> A similarly stupid topic where you're going to talk about your white whale, which is using podcasts on your LTE Apple Watch. Oh, yeah. Well, well, which is the, like, no offense, the world's biggest time suck. Well, no, it, it's for it, no reward. It's not as much anymore, but we'll we'll get to that. Okay. Um, um, 
Okay, we got we got to move on to this. What, so I, I just I was going to quickly just just say that the example for me is I spent hours and hours and hours and hours days probably getting my stupid calendar and contacts to sync in the early days of the iPhone, and if I had just waited another year or two. I, I know mobile me is is a punching bag, but like the the calendar and contact syncing all worked pretty well right out the gate. If I would have just waited for that, <laughs> I'd been perfectly happy. Anyway, um, okay. So you, do you want you want to segue into the Apple Watch stuff? No, no, super quick. Uh, I just want your your uh, like a quick six seconds on the way iPhone ten was seated to reviewers, which I think is kind of the last thing on this topic. <laughs> This so the the same. Th- I, I guess I wasn't very surprised by it because the exact same thing's been happening with video games for the past couple of years, where traditional fashion bloggers, yeah, tra- traditional uh, reviewers have not been given the earliest access to games, and even like at shows like E three and other press uh, at press events that publishers have, it's been often the case that like YouTube personalities or or whatever we're calling them get preferential treatment in certain cases. So like this has been like a thing for a while in other industries. I guess I'm a little surprised that Apple's doing it. I just I I wouldn't associate Apple with that type of thing, but um I mean I I don't like I guess like I'm not someone who bases whether to buy the new phone on reviews, so I'm definitely not right person to ask so i don't know i I didn't think too much about it but i I am a little i am a little surprised that that apple that apple did it so i'll give a little bit of context here for so basically apple gave the iphone 10 for one week reviews to i think just three reviewers and they were not the usual top tier is the wrong word but like the the usual like old establishment of who you think like technology reviewers are. And then they gave a whole bunch of new devices to uh, like YouTube personalities and, and, and kind of media outlets that maybe would not have been considered for um, pre-release Apple hardware. And then like the old guard or like the people that maybe you and I maybe look to or anticipate the reviews like, um, like Daring Fireball and, and, and Jason Snell and, and Macworld and like it's all those other places and like the Verge, they all got, I think um, they all got them on Monday, the week of the iPhone launch, and the uh, press embargo was dropped on Tuesday. So basically all the people that you would expect to have super in-depth, technical, like road-tested reviews only got 24 hours with it, whereas a lot of other people who maybe would not have been included before got more time and a very small group of people I think only three got a week with it. So, I mean, I don't know for me is it's, it's mainly like that. I think like, I don't buy, like, I think it's great that they're trying to address untapped audiences and like sharing it with YouTube. Like, I think that's fantastic. Um, I just, my part or my confusion or consternation comes with that. It disadvantages the older, like, like the old way of doing things. Like I, I don't see how a technical review from Jason Snell with him having the phone for a week hurts anything. Expanding, oh, like uh, making a larger tent or whatever, whatever the expression is, is fine. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. I guess I don't. I don't really have super strong feelings about it one way or the other. All right. Um. Okay. 
Uh, do you want to jump right into the Apple Watch, or do you want to take a quick uh, detour into TiVo? Let's let's do the Apple Watch thing. I guess that I I guess I could have actually put this as maybe follow up that I had. Um, yeah. Um, which I which I failed to do. So ap- apologies. This is not in the correct segment of the show. We'll, yeah, we'll, not, controlling, we'll, not controlling the paper. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, it's, there's so much paper coming across my desk. I can't can't keep track of it. Um, Don't mock me. <laughs> I would never. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll fix this all in post anyway. Um, why? Well, yes, I do have follow up, Carlos. <laughs> um, so so watch OS 4.1 came out. Uh, while we were on hiatus and the the big feature with that was apple music and apple music library uh, streaming functionality on the watch and so this unlocked another dumb although slightly less crazy way of listening to podcasts on the watch where so now what you can simply do is set up podcasts in itunes when a new episode downloads you simply just convert it to an mp3 with a couple of specific settings i think in order to be uploaded to um, itunes music library you have to it has to be an mp3 file that's i think at least like 96 um, kilobits per second has to be stereo audio and a couple of other things so all you have to do is just change your like default mp3 encoding settings in itunes and when you convert it into an mp3 file it will it automatically gets added to the itunes music section um and then if you really want to take it to the next level like i have you just set up a smart playlist to automatically add any music files that that are the genre podcast which basically every podcast episode you download is going to have it the genre marked as podcast and then boom that shows up on your watch under your itunes music library and you can instantly stream podcasts to your watch so it sort of gets over i still still love watch players still appreciate what it's doing but it does bypass what's probably the most painful part of that process which is the actual transfer part to the watch which can take you know upwards of 20 25 minutes whereas this whole process in itunes takes you know i don't know 45 seconds it's it's really quick and easy um and it's i've i've been doing that the last few days and it's it's worked really well really reliably I've even done it where I, you know, I've started streaming an episode when I'm on Wi-Fi or actually, I guess, you know, connected to my phone here in the apartment and then I'll leave to go for a run. So it switches over to LTE and there's no, you know, no interruption or anything. The The downside, though, of course, is there's no seeking. So you there, you only have the 30 second forward and, and back control. So you can't seek to a um, specific part of an episode and your progress isn't saved so you have to then you know manually update your progress assuming you didn't finish the episode uh when you get back to your main podcast player which for me is overcast so definitely not a perfect solution still but a bit of a upgrade compared to what i was doing before mostly because it's it's a much quicker process now cool can you do a quick tangentially related bit of tech support for me mm mm-hmm. mhm so I have never used my AirPods with Apple Watch. How does that work? It's pretty neat. Um, and this this actually, so I, I've been doing a little bit of research in this because I've, I've been sort of thinking about upgrading to the PowerBeats 3 wireless headphones because I, I think the microphone in my PowerBeats 2 is broken. 
Like it, it, it doesn't work very well. Like when I'm on phone calls and like Siri barely works. So I, I think my microphone might be busted. Um, so I, so I've been looking at those, the PowerBeats three and they, they have the same W1 chip that the AirPods do. And the way that any W1, um, enabled headphones works, so this is like a handful of the Beats headphones. And I guess most famously the AirPods is when you pair them to your iPhone, they also are seamlessly paired to your watch without you having to do anything. And this, and this is similar across the board where, like when you set up AirPods on your iPhone, they instantly become available on your iPad and on your Mac, anything that's connected to your um, iTunes account. But the way that it works with the watch is even a step smarter where, whereas with like the iPad or the Mac, you have to manually connect to the AirPods to get them to switch over to that device. The way it works with your watch and your phone is whenever the AirPods are connected to your phone, they're simultaneously connected to your watch and if you start playing music from the watch, the AirPods will just switch over to the watch. Huh. Does that... Hmm. So wait, I'm sorry. How does it know not to talk to the phone? Sorry, I may, I may be missing something. Um, well, so I guess it would be one of two ways. One is you would go out of range of your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, or the other way would be you played music that is specifically saved on your watch because you can still um you can still save music to the watch um or i guess maybe a third way would be if you invoke siri from the watch so if you hold and you hold down the digital crown and you ask siri to well, no, actually, I, I did test that. When you ask Siri to like play a song from your watch, if it's if if you're if you're within range of your phone, it'll just it'll play the song on your phone. Um, so I guess yeah, the, the two ways really are if you have music that's saved locally on your watch that you start playing, I think the AirPods will automatically switch over, or if you get out of range of your phone, the AirPods will switch over to the watch. Got it. Okay. Cool. Or I guess actually, I guess another way would be if you, so you know, there's like the standalone radio app, which is specific to the watch. I guess if you started playing music from that, it would. Switch. Radio, you mean Apple Music? Well, so the, yeah, the, 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 it's a separate app on the watch, but yeah, it, it, the only, I think the only station you have access to if you're a non-Apple Music subscriber is like the Beats 1 station. <laughs> is that still going? <laughs> it is still going, yeah um interesting okay hmm. so that that's that, that's the it's like the one of the advantages i guess of, of the w1 chip is it's automatically always connected to your watch as well as your phone okay all right we are running super long uh apparently so i think let's let's do the tivo thing maybe and then call and it, call it a week. else yeah. yeah um so against my better judgment or better my uh my my warnings, you still update it to the new uh it's called TiVo Hydra interface. Right. Which is very bad. But what what are what are your thoughts? I I mean so I you know, like I guess the huge caveat about this is I literally upgraded just a little over twenty four hours ago, so we'll we'll see, you know. Um I mean it made a heck of a good first impression like it was really easy to to upgrade it and the the little screen came up saying it could take up to an hour and i was like god damn it (laughs) but it like took like 10 minutes 
and then the TiVo Mini that we have in the other room, the first time we went to watch something on it, it automatically was like, oh, hey, you've got the new experience on your main TiVo box. This needs to be updated as well and just quickly automatically updated itself too. So the actual like update experience itself was was really seamless. And I I think the I think the interface looks really nice. Um it does look surprisingly like the X1 interface, which is a little odd. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that part's a little odd, but but it it is a, it's a pretty I think it's a pretty sharp looking interface. I think vert text and colors all across the board look a lot nicer than they did. Even though the interface technically ran at 4K already on the um, the Bolt, and maybe on the Romeo too, I forget. Um, I never found the interface to look particularly sharp or, or nice, but I, I think the I think the new interface it it, it looks really good. Um, but I'll I, I, obviously I think before I give too much of an opinion on uh, the functionality that I'm I'm going to need some more time with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, that's one perspective. I don't know, man. <laughs> this is, hmm. I so this is a unique upgrade. So for, so this is, this is opt in for all Romeo and Bolt for now. Customers. I don't think it. I don't think it's going to be opt in forever. Which I think was part of the reason why I decided just to do it was because I I think there's going to come a point. Maybe even in the not too distant future, where this this just gets pushed out to everyone. So that I'm not sure. So like, I, I guess maybe I'm far deeper in 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 the legislature in like in in the in I'm in, I'm more in the weeds because on, on TiVoCommunity.com and on the TiVo subreddit, it sounds like some of the TiVo employees that are talking there are saying that it's going to be opt in for a really really long time, hmm. unless you are buying a TiVo Bolt because or, or sorry um. A bolt vox, like what? What is the new the, box called? The the bolt vox. Yeah, that's that's a bad name. <laughs> it's a bad name. Um, also, did did you get the emails saying go to a go to a party at TiVo's headquarters? I did, and it was like the middle of a Tuesday or something. <laughs> yeah, but you could have gotten a free remote, man. You if you go to Alviso. Uh, um, next time. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, another ten years of TiVo still around. So it's man. So it's gonna be opt in for a while, but like. It is not good. Like, it's really bad. Like, so TiVo got bought by a company called Rovio, which is like a set-top box and guide data thing, like two or three years ago. And they've just neutered everything that made a TiVo what it is. And it's not good. Like, they, they got rid of, like, the good TiVo guide, which gave you, at a glance... Like what is on right now and what's on the the channel that you're watching coming up for like the next like twelve hours. Now it looks exactly like uh, every other set top box and like a, a specifically it looks so similar to an Xfinity X1 box with its grid guide. Uh, the whole interface is just designed in this weird like super thumbnail heavy way where data density is way worse. Like it, this this is not very good. And I, I, I keep like almost every time I use it, I'm like, oh shit, should I just abandon all of my recordings and erase the thing? Because that's the only way to downgrade, and I knew that going in. But it's, yeah, it's not good, man. I guess, yeah, I guess maybe the big difference for me is I would consider myself to be a pretty light TiVo user in the sense that 
you know, I, I, it's just, I'm, I'm watching the occasional live TV show and then I'm watching my recordings, which are always just a couple button presses away. And I'm not quickly changing around between a bunch of content or anything. So I'm I, like, to me, I don't, I don't interface with the TiVo a ton. And for, you know, for me again, like what I'm mostly looking at is I guess like the guide and the, and the guide looks, I, don't, I, I think the guide looks a lot nicer than it used to. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like a lot of this is probably just like I've been using TiVo for a decade and it's just not what it used to be, which is fine. I don't know. It's it's just not for me. And and I'm and I'm bummed. I'm sure I'll get used to it, but it it, it is objectively worse. But you know, <laughs> like it's prog- like stuff so it's just like face ID, it's it's progress. Um what I'll what I'll warn you about is um I don't know if you if if you use the TiVo iOS apps at all. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, it could has it gotten worse somehow? Well, no. I just I'll, I'm going to warn you that this, so they've retained, and I based on what you're saying, I assume they'll retain for quite a while the old UI because you know the apps kind of mimic the TiVo UI, especially the the iPad app. Mm-hmm. So every time you go to use that app, you're just going to longingly look at the old UI. Oh, so it's going to show guide data that that's actually uh-huh. sensible, right? <laughs> like, who likes grid guides? You just want to know what's on right now and then what's coming on later. Not just look, hey, go go see what's on for the next three hours on 20 channels at once. Like, that's just not easy to read or good. Yeah, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah. Anyway, to each their own. Cable TV is going to be dead soon. Anyway, cord cutting <laughs> and the such. So it doesn't matter. Right. Um, so running along. So we will talk about Tesla and Threadless and many other things later. Uh, the one quick thing I will promote today, or to bump up it, uh, Twitter, 280, uh, 240 or 280 characters for everybody now. Yeah, including even, uh, I saw that TweetBot just pushed out an update, uh, I think today, that allowed the 280 character tweets. Yeah, so that's definitely a thing that's happening. I, I'm, I don't know, I... I don't I don't love it. I, I'm still kind of annoyed when I see a longer tweet pop up in my timeline, but I, I'll, eh. I'll get used to it, I guess. Like, if I still use Twitter frequently, I actually think I would like it, just because I, I, in the past, had frequently found myself, like, just kind of, like, giving up on a tweet, just I'm like, I can't say this in 140 characters. I, like, I could do it in 155. Like, I don't know if you've ever had the... Like, you're just trying to cram it in, and you're spending five minutes trying to take out words just so it fits. Maybe I'm just nuts. But, that's, that's um, the, I just don't. I don't actually post on Twitter that often. That's the thing. Oh well, then well, yeah. Of course, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think people are going to abuse it. Like they said, like in their limited rollout, like only five percent of people use the extra tweet length, and I think that's probably actually true. Like a lot of times, you're probably not, but sometimes, rather than all those people that like post like a, a screenshot of the iOS Notes app, like I think that's probably going to fall away, which is probably a good thing. All right. So people have some reading if they want to go, they should go Google for a threadless thing that was in some website. <laughs> and then there was also a thing about, uh, uh, Jalopnik had a thing about uh, Tesla. Go read that. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, but yeah, let's jump into Chef Special. Let's do it. So I've got two this week. One that's sort of a, a traditional kind of more tech-focused pick and one that's not. Uh, so my more tech-focused pick is the Netflix offline experience, which has been around for a while, but I, up until the most recent traveling that I did, had actually never used it. 
you know, Netflix famously for years and years swore up and down they were never going to allow offline viewing. And uh, a short while ago, eventually changed their tune. And now all of their original content and I, a limited amount of other content, I believe, is available to watch offline. And so the lady friend and I did that for uh, season two of Stranger Things for the, for the trip that we took. Or Stranger Things 2, I guess, as they're referring to it. They don't call it season two. Um, it's a, it's a really, really good experience. It, it's the, you know, it's the sleekest offline viewing experience, I think, of any of the apps that I've used. And I, I'd be including like the TiVo experience and the Amazon Prime Video experience. It's, it's fast to download the content. The video quality is really good. It does this super, super smart thing where when an episode ends, so when the credits start, there immediately pops up a button which allows you to, in one button press, delete the current episode from your device and start watching the next one, which is super smart. Um, the, the experience across the board is is really good, and it it's it's an it's an awesome uh, awesome feature to have. What's the download time like? It's it's super super fast. That's that's the other thing too is you know, and this is. This is not TiVo's fault because there's, you know, all the transcoding and, and whatnot that needs to happen. But when you're when you're downloading shows from your TiVo to watch on your device, I mean, that's like something you have to like plan, plan for like the night before because it's like it's a it's like a it's, it's a like thing. A podcast on Apple. It's Watch, like yeah. it's like transferring podcasts to your Apple Watch. Exactly. Um, whereas, you know, Netflix, is, it's a it's a really, really quick, quick download. Uh, is there a limit on how much you can store? I assume licensing probably. I think the limit is more. I think you can only download sh- the same show like a certain number of times. Hmm? Like, in other words, like you couldn't. Because I, what I had done before is I, I actually, I actually downloaded um, some of House of Cards a while back, but ended up not watching it. Um, mm-hmm. Was I had downloaded it, but I realized I didn't have the high quality enabled. So I like deleted everything and then re-downloaded it. And I think there was some message that came up that's like you've used like two of your like three times that you can download this content or something like that. Hmm. That's actually hmm, that's weird. Yeah. I maybe I misread that, but I, I thought that's what the limit was. All right. And then what's what's your low tech pick? Uh so the other the other pick that I have is and I, I maybe we've talked about this online. I don't remember. Um global entry. So this is offered as a free perk for as part of many credit cards. It's I believe ninety nine dollars for a, the it's like it's like four or five years that it that it works until you have to renew it. Um, but you you get TSA PreCheck as part of this as well, which that I've used a couple of times and has been awesome. But the, on this most recent trip, we were coming back from out of the country and got to use the global entry piece of it for the first time. And man, it's it's incredible. Uh, the, the customs line at SFO is. I'm guessing this is the case in, in most airports. I've only ever come into the country through Oakland and San Francisco, and at, at SFO in particular, the customs line is always just crazy, crazy long, and is easily upwards of an hour, even at a slow time, can be two to three hours during busier times. So when we came back on Saturday, of course, there was a huge, huge line and we just, we went through the, the global entry section 
And, you know, from the time we got off the plane to the time that we got our bags was probably, I don't know, five, six minutes. I mean, it was super, super quick. Um, or I should say got two, got two baggage claims. You know, baggage claims still takes a little while, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just a, it's an awesome, awesome program and works, works really well. And another little perk, which is nice is you don't, you don't have to fill out the little, uh, customs form that you, that you normally do. Cause you just, you answer the questions that you would normally fill out on that form, just on the screen when you, when you check in to the global entry kiosk, which is also kind of nice. Cause then you don't have to like fish around for a pen while you're on the plane and stuff. Whatever reduces the amount of time it takes to get blue barn. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Which is the first, first thing we did. Very good. All right. I similarly have uh two, two picks. So my first one is one that I forgot about last week. Uh, which is uh, an app for OS X called Better Touch Tool, which is uh, the best, and people should uh, go and use it if they use a desktop computer with any regularity. Uh, it allows you to remap uh, specific keyboard shortcuts as well as uh, mouse buttons and shortcuts uh, any way that you want to. And the, one of the things that makes this something that I'm super excited about right now is that you can actually, something I didn't know before, is that you can remap um, mouse buttons on a per app basis which is the absolute best thing in the world and i'll give you uh, two quick examples on on why that's useful so inside uh i don't know like do, do you use a mouse with your mac when you're recording this oh yeah uh does your um scroll wheel move left and right no no oh, so <laughs> if you have a mouse that does that um I have that programmed in Better Touch Tool to, uh, if I click uh, the scroll wheel to the left, that goes back a page in Chrome. Uh, if I click it to the right, it goes forward a page in Chrome. But then let's say I'm in Spotify, uh, that does a skip and a previous track. And then if I am, and then as a system-wide gesture I have, where if I click down on the scroll wheel, uh, that does the equivalent of Command-H, where I can quickly hide applications. So I think if you have like a good restrained approach and you don't go too nuts on it, but you make some customizations to the way you use your mouse and keyboard, I think Better Touch Tool is a really good time saver, and it's it's a it's a really really cool way um, of making that work, especially if you use a primarily Windows centric input device like the Microsoft Sculpt keyboards, and then. Uh, the low-tech pick of the week is going to be daylight savings time. Oh. It, uh, this, this afternoon, it was dark at 5.20, and it was fantastic. It's the, the worst. Just the it worst. really isn't. 